All right, welcome to the Pickles and Bones podcast. I'm your host, co-host, whatever I am, the grandmaster. This is the Beat Laboratory, the official Pickles and Bones Beat Laboratory with Tom Schnegglesberger. Hello. (laughs) Jack of all trades at Pickles and Bones, uh, line cook, uh, cashier. Catering. Catering, setter-upper. Uh, anything, anything, and everything. Official uh, modern day rap music. Um, aficionado. Aficionado. <laughs> aficionado for what it's worth. <laughs> for what it's worth to be an aficionado of modern day rap music. Um, so, this is our first episode. We're sitting down to just kind of talk a little bit about the format, what we're planning on doing, um, why we decided to do a podcast. What did we start talking about this? Six months ago? Yeah, probably about six months. Right before, I'd say, all the shutdowns started happening. Yeah, yeah, because I think we had a... We probably started talking about it maybe the end of last year, actually. Yeah. And then we started got We got some equipment. We got our stuff together. We had one guest scheduled. We had technical difficulties, of course. And then, uh, probably not two... A couple weeks later, COVID happened, and now... We've been slam busy since then, um, and this is our first opportunity to kind of get back to it. Obviously, we have plenty to talk about in the last six months. <laughs> yeah. There's no shortage. Um, you know, one thing we want to make sure we touch on and, and kind of bring in some cool and interesting guests to talk about is kind of where the restaurant industry's at. Um, there's really no point to talk too much about what the restaurant industry looked like before COVID because it's never going to look like that again. For um, sure. You know, it's the virus the and it's not even the virus it's just the reaction to the virus has kind of shown us all how volatile this business is how vulnerable the restaurant industry is to to something like this you know you have a a myriad of workers that are living paycheck to paycheck um there's stuff that has to change within the restaurant business if we want to make sure that this doesn't happen to us again or that we're set up in a different way Uh, moving forward i know when we first sat down for the idea to start talking about this podcast we really wanted to talk about mental health and really what it's like for the restaurant industry in general specifically owning a restaurant operating a restaurant and i think all that's even been amplified that much more now yeah for sure so we're going to touch on that's one of the things we want to touch on we want to bring in some some other local chefs, local business owners, but we want to get out of the restaurant industry too. Um, I'd say get restaurant adjacent a little bit, you know, bring in some people that deal with um, uh, real estate, uh, the supply chain. You know, we've got, talked to some of our vendors about coming and sitting down with us. Uh, Talk to some of our suppliers where we get our products from and kind of see how this has affected them, how how they see themselves moving forward in a post COVID world. Cause like I said, it's really not so much different for anybody else, but there's really no point in worrying about here's how it was. Right. And I think we've got, you know, we've been in a position where we've been, a lot of people know we've been interested in trying to open up another restaurant and we're still pursuing that. And we're still trying to find what that angle is, but we get caught in that same pattern where we're looking at, well, here's what we here's how we should do it but we're looking at it in the aspect of how we would have done it eight months ago or nine months ago 
Yeah, things which, have changed quickly. Yeah, big time. Yeah. You know, I know, I know um, Dave Chang, one of the podcasts I really like to listen to, has talked a lot about how this has really pushed lots of industries, but we, I mean, we really only, I can really only speak about the restaurant industry, but it's really pushed a lot of stuff, you know, 5, 10, maybe 15 years ahead of schedule from where it was going to be, whether it's delivery, curbside, um, dry, you know, drop off, whatever it is, but really how the restaurant changes outside of the four walls, because I think the restaurant industry as operating within four walls, the same way it was before we just come in, sit down, get your food. That shit's over with. Yeah. It's not going to go back. It can't yeah. go back. Yeah. Because look, look at, look at the vulnerability that the restaurant industry has had over the last six months. Well, it's set up to fail in a situation like this. So yeah, it absolutely is. We have to keep it in mind going down the road. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that that's going to, you know, one of the small things, and I know, and we're going to touch on this as we get into the podcast a little bit deeper is like, um, you know, people often talk about how well consumers are going to have to get used to paying more for food in that as a consumer, that doesn't sound that great. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's gotta be, there has to be more to that from the restaurant's position on educating customers and, and helping them understand, not educating in a punitive manner where you go in and sit down and you get some cheesy description about how this was imported from here and this was imported from shit that you don't care some about. Some scripted answer. Yeah. Some bullshit scripted answer. Like yeah. some real life, um, honest, honest information of like, look, you know, if you people push and push and push and say, you need to pay, you need to pay your staff more. You need to pay this more. Like that only works if consumers are willing to pay more on the front end. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's not a fun topic to talk about, but it's, but it's reality. It's yeah. like as a, as a restaurant, we've, or as a restaurant community as a whole, we've gotten, everything's gotten commoditized. Everything has been cheapened by the big fast food brands and people want to come in, grab something quick, easy, and they don't want to spend a lot of money on it, which is fine. I can understand that. There's yeah. a time, there's a time and a place for it. But if you want the small independent restaurants to survive and be there, especially after all this shit's over, like you're gonna have to pay a little bit more for your food. For sure, you're gonna have yeah. to pay two more bucks for your cheeseburger. It's a luxury at this point. Yeah, you know, if you if not, we're gonna end up we're gonna end up like Demon. I don't know. You're, you might be too young for the movie Demolition Man. Demo man, Dem, demo, dem, demo demolition man. man. Yeah, yeah. The only restaurant Wesley left, Snipes. Yeah, yeah. The only the only restaurant left is Taco Bell. And if we, <laughs> and it, yeah, and it's it's kind of sad but true. But if we end up going down that same path and making the same mistakes that we've been on, uh, there's a potential to end up in that same spot where the only thing is left is, you know, commercial chain restaurants. Yeah, and, yeah. Then nobody cheap. At the end of the day you're just putting something in your body just because you're not, it's not something special. It's not a true craft that people love. You know, we do barbecue. You're probably going to find out on this podcast. We're not going to talk very much about barbecue. Um, we're planning on linking in a, a blog to go along with it. And we're going to try to do one day a week, add in a tip on there, uh, maybe a video or something about some barbecue tips or cooking tips or stuff like that. But this podcast is not going to be us sitting around talking about how to season a brisket uh, how to how to slice a brisket, how to uh, make baked beans. Uh, if you want to learn about that kind of stuff, I highly recommend Barbecue with Franklin. Uh, anything with Aaron Franklin, he's going to show you how to do everything. Um, and we're happy to do that maybe in a different format some other time. Maybe we can 
do some cooking classes or something like that. But what we really want to do is just kind of sit around and bullshit, talk about um, what's going on in our industry, talk to other people that have been affected by this. Uh, and that means consumers as well. You know, I think it's important. I oftentimes can get in a uh, kind of get blinders on and only look at stuff from uh, operator an owner operator perspective yeah, yeah and for i sure. and i sometimes i won't look at it from a consumer so as somebody like you, you know yourself you've been you've been in the restaurant industry for like a year yeah pretty so much so you have a kind of a fresh perspective on what it is you know yeah. so that's that's a different a different viewpoint to bring in because we bring in chefs and we talk to them again i promise you other chefs have a hard time looking at it from a consumer's perspective right. but i think if we want to move stuff forward and change change shit up like we're gonna have to look at it from a consumer's point as well especially now yeah, yeah definitely yeah and, you know in, in something that's probably an unpopular opinion but the, uh, there was too many restaurants already i know that it's unfortunate that we've got restaurants closing but this was going to happen anyway we we were on the verge of a bubble there's too much stuff we've been fat and happy <laughs> and quite honestly people people aren't putting enough effort into providing the guest a unique experience, providing great customer service, and quite frankly, providing great food. Um, I, for one, know I get tired of going out and not having great food. Right. It's frustrating. It is. And that's, that's the scary thing about trying new places. And I mean, you could go and try a place, a new place every single week yeah. and still have trouble catching up to all the new restaurants. Yeah. And, and half the time it's not going to, it's either going to be a bad experience or you're not going to have that great of a meal. Right. Which sucks. So you stick to the places that you know. Right. Which is, which is all, all the more important for, for people like us to build relationships with, with our guests, really provide something different. Definitely. Really like, and it, different doesn't have to mean outside so far outside of the box that nobody knows what you're talking about right it doesn't have to be innovative or no or insane no sometimes sometimes the most simple thing is what people really want they just want to execute it well yeah like how many times have we all been out for a cheeseburger and it's not cooked properly yeah it's got the wrong cheese you know like the simple shit like that is like it's the very 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 basics that that we get wrong and, and we've got restaurants that have been popping up all over the place for the better part of the last five years. And I joke about yeah. it. And I know I've said it to you, but like, it seems like we've got the burger place. That's the same as the taco place. It's the same as the chicken place. It's the same as the X place. Yeah, it's right. like the same shit with, with a different main focus. And that's it. That's a big thing. I mean, even in music today and things like yeah, that, like that. they just use the same formula. They yeah. know they know what works, and they yeah. just they roll with that. Yeah, it's like the same. It's oh, like, definitely. Movies. It's like movies. Like yeah. well, we have to make a superhero movie. Yeah, if we make we can't make an artsy movie because it won't make a hundred billion dollars. So it's controversial or yeah. different or weird. Right. And, and, right. 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 Yeah. And I can respect that, and I think that there's opportunities for people to do stuff like that still, but they're probably more one off than they are. They're probably a special dinner here and there, an underground dinner, something we talked about messing around with, like doing something that's like really a little bit out of everybody's comfort zone, which is fun. Fine dining used to be that way. Fine dining used to have the thing where you would go and get a 15 course meal and like maybe three or four of the courses, maybe they weren't your favorite course because 
in a 15 course meal on a progression, maybe maybe they're not all going to be. There's going to be something you don't like. Yeah, but with these restaurants now in a place like ours, like we talked about this before again. Also, like we don't have the luxury, nor should we. Everything has to be as good as it can possibly be all the time. If you have an a la carte menu and people are going to come in and get X, it's got to be as good as it can possibly be every single For time. For sure, yeah. And the consistency has to be paramount. It's the hardest part. Yeah, it is. When I was younger, all I, ever, I thought that being creative, being ingenuity, whatever you want to call it, was the most important thing. It was like, oh, we have to do the, the wildest thing we can come up with and the craziest we had to turn the peanut butter into powder yeah and the jelly into little balls that seems to be a common thought with with a lot of chefs i think that as you get older you start to get more comfortable in just the fact of like well you know what's pretty awesome is just doing the doing this same thing as good as you can 185 days in a row anybody can do something unique one time yeah so we're straight, I think we're, maybe we're straying a little bit off of what we're talking about, but I think this is the kind of stuff that we're going to talk, like the conversation we're going to have, you know, we'll bring somebody in and just kind of shoot the shit back and forth, just have a conversation. Um, we don't really want to follow any kind of script. Um, we want to have a general, maybe we'll have a couple general topics that we want to hit. Uh, yeah. Void of all political conversation, if, yeah. if at all possible. We all get enough of that. We're all talking, we, we, man, that's all we, that's all <laughs> We all hear about nonstop. We we haven't even got to November yet. It's only going to get heavier. I don't know heavier is the right term, but I feel like I'm preparing for it. Yeah, like mentally, a, <laughs> yeah, but we we've all been getting mentally prepared for the past six months, and yeah. then COVID hit, yeah. and then we all kind of now we have no no time perception. Now I think that like it's been five years since all this stuff happened. It feels, it feels like, like, it, like it does. It feels like pre pre COVID stuff was was five years ago. And really, it was six months ago. It feels so normal now compared to, I mean, we, w- we would have never been able to imagine something like this before, no. and now it's... No, not, not outside of a movie. Yeah, right. I mean, it hasn't even been six months. It's only been, what happened That's in March? March, mid-March, yeah. Seems like five years ago. At least. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're kind of in the middle of, who really knows what's going on? Like, we're all kind of just kind of hanging out, seeing what happens. You know, we're, knock on wood, uh, on our butcher block... Uh, prep table that we're using for our for our beat laboratory right now uh knock on wood we were lucky enough that we didn't we've never had any dine-in seating so we didn't have to worry about taking stuff out you know there's something you and i talked about a little bit before too like uh i don't know if we were in the position where we had dine-in seating i don't know what i would do right now i've i've said i know what i've said and i can say it here and fine, and I know I can get criticized for it too, but I know I say I wouldn't open back up if we had seating. I wouldn't feel comfortable opening back up. It's a tough call as an owner. 100%. Yeah. And it's easy for me to say that, but that's because we don't have it. But if we did have seating, you know, I don't know what I would do because it's a, it's a hard cycle, and it's something that uh, we wanna, I want to bring a, a – a gentleman I know that does commercial real estate and is a, you know, is a landlord. And I want to talk to him about it because it's a, it's easy to say, well, the landlord should just give people free rent. Well, that's simple to say, but who, who's going to take care of them? Well, they have rent to pay too. They've got, they've got mortgage, mortgage to pay on whatever their property is. So it's easy to say it. Everything is easy. Everything's easy to Monday morning quarterback when you're not the one in the position. 
that's one of my least favorite things. Yeah. And here I am, I'm saying the same thing. Like, oh, I wouldn't do this, I would do that. But, like, if I was in the position, I don't know what I would do because you have bills to pay. I have a family to feed. It's a hard call to make. It's uh, really, really impossible to make. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, we're lucky We're lucky to, to, to not be in that position. You yeah, know what I mean? definitely. You know, and we've always – part of it was always strategy that we, ne- we wanted to make sure that we never bid off more than we can chew. You know, people know we started as a, in a food trailer. We moved our way in here. Um, a lot of people's next logical step would have been like, well, just open a restaurant. What's easier said than done? I think that's a big mistake that people make is biting off more than they can chew or, or expanding too lo- too fast. And it, it takes time to, to build something meaningful and right. that's worth sticking around for, for many years. Well, you can't, you can't, the big, big thing is like, you can't do that if you don't have the people. Yeah. So right. people do right. it. So people like, I'm a great chef. I make great food. We opened one restaurant. Now we need to open three more. Well, Again, that's way easier said than done. Because if you don't have the people, man, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, and what, may, what might work in one area might not work in another as oh, well. Oh, yeah, 100%. So that, that's a big problem with expanding or yeah. opening other restaurants is that sometimes people don't realize how well their business is made for a certain demographic. And if that demographic isn't there, then it's, it's going to hurt. Or location-specific. Yeah. Like I always said, if we opened up this place... If we just would have opened up in the corner right here without having starting in the trailer, we would have failed. It would have been tough. Because yeah. we're in a <clears> tough location. People know where we're at now because they were used to us being in the trailer. They were used to us being across the street. We moved over to this side of the street. But if we just would have started flat out, we would have started inside here, we would have went under. There's no way. Yeah. There's not enough. We wouldn't have been able to generate enough buzz quickly enough or... Because the, the visual is not here. Like, I would never yeah. pick this spot. Yeah. If you it didn't worked, have a base. Right. It worked, right. right. We had the base already. It yeah. works great for us. It's close to our house. We live here. We already had the business here. But as we look at other locations, and something we'll talk about as we go on with, with like, uh, hopefully we'll have our, our real estate broker come on and help and talk with us about yeah, that'd be awesome. looking at new locations is, like, I can see locations when we go that, like, this is so similar to here, but we can't do it there. It just doesn't work. Well, you don't have a base in that in that area. It's right. a, so it'd be like starting from scratch almost. 100%. Yeah. And then people also, you know, one of the things also as far as like expansion is people will talk to us like, well, when are you going to, so you're just going to open another Pickles and Bones. But we've always been very adamant that we don't want to open another one of these. Uh and there's a lot of reasons for that, and, and we can get into them when that time comes. But, you know, some of, the, some of the ones just to touch on is, like, it's really hard to scale this kind of business. It, I would say it's almost impossible because cooking outside, cooking with wood, to do the same thing in another location um, is really, really, really challenging. Yeah. Really challenging. And not that it's impossible um, – it could be done. It would be hard. It's hard enough to run a business that operates like this that's 100% scratch made. You cook with wood. You cook outside. You cook in the elements. It takes a certain level of certain level of craftsmanship, certain level of talent just to make it happen on every day. 
Now, whatever else we decide to do is going to require that same level, but it's just going to be something different. Yeah. Like barbecue specifically is to make really great barbecue. It's a lot of labor. A lot of labor. Yeah. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. Tons of time. A lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um, And not that there's not, not that that doesn't go into any other businesses, but when you have the ability to go home and just turn it off and be done with it and then start fresh the next day versus, you know, cooking stuff overnight and everything else, like that just, there's a lot of variables to make it, to make it work out right. Yeah. We, we can't just throw a brisket in the smoker and have it done no. and ready for the next day. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's a little more complicated than that, but no. So, you know, as we move forward, kind of looking at what's the right concept for us and why, especially in this new, this new restaurant world, whatever that is. Cause I think it's going to be different. I, I, my personal opinion is I think that like the, a place like Miami market right down the street from us thrive, going to continue to crush yeah. in this type of, in this type of environment because people are still going to be apprehensive to go out to restaurants for a while. A large number of people, at yeah. least. Yeah, for I told sure. you, we went out to one restaurant Yeah, in the past four months, whatever since it's been open. I'm not going to name the restaurant. It's not around here. Uh, we went there. They were not taking sanitation serious. <laughs> they had a lot of stuff up on the walls about how reopening and masks. There wasn't one person with a mask on. There wasn't one server, one cook. It was a wide open kitchen. It's like, nope. Yeah. Nope, that's not happening, man. We're not, we're not going to do it. Yeah. And I can tell you, I feel confident that the restaurants that are open right now are taking it serious. Like they, if you go into a, a really quality restaurant right now, it's probably about as safe as place as you can possibly go because they do take everything serious. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, for me, I'm just not, I'm not going yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I'd, if I had a restaurant, I wouldn't feel comfortable having people come in and sit down. But at the same time, I've also been going out to restaurants right. uh, probably once a week, maybe a little less than that, and, and still been sitting down and having meals inside and out. Yeah. We try to sit outside, but, you know, it's, it's tough not to do it. Yeah. What's your, what's your experience been like that? Is it... Does it feel like anything is back to normal or is it weird? It's a little weird. It's, yeah. It just seems kind of ominous and, yeah. and just quiet when does you go it, out. Does it, has it hampered like your enjoyment of going out to the restaurant? I don't think so. No? I mean, okay. I think it's more about the people you're with anyway. Sure. So. Sure, sure, sure. But, and that's the same thing for me is that I think part of it also is like I have three small children that at any time can act like three Tasmanian devils. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, they, or one of three or two of three or three of three, or maybe, maybe they'll all be on their best behavior. It's highly unlikely. It's, it's hard to predict. But <laughs> for me to take, for us to take the three kids out to go in and mask and sit and then say, okay, you have to stay, you know, I get anxious and nervous on edge or whatever in that kind of situation. Cause I want, it's also because I look at it as an operator. I want to make sure yeah. I'm making it as easy on the service staff as the owner as possible. And maybe that's not the right thing. Maybe we need to just go back out so people can get used to this, so that operators can get used to it. 
so the server staff can get used to it. I don't know. I don't have the right answer. I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking about it that way because I think about it that way when I go out. Yeah. And I do you think do you the... thought about it like that before you worked in a restaurant? No, no okay. way. It's definitely changed how I yeah. look at just just going to a restaurant at all. Yeah. Even, even before COVID, it, it changes how you think yeah. about it. But it it I don't know. I always try to be kind. So if I I, I think that if I went out, I would still be keeping it in mind at least. Yeah. But yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Definitely makes you think about it differently once you start working at a restaurant. But oh yeah. 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 But you know that one thing like. As far as, the, as far as the sanitation stuff, you know, I know people are concerned about that. And um, the sanitation stuff, I don't think is something that really concerns me because I know how serious quality restaurants take it. Um, there's a reason, there's a reason that corporate, there's a reason that McDonald's doesn't have dine, indoor dining right now. Because you know what? They don't take this shit very serious. It's hard to when you're working there's that many levels going down of people that aren't going to follow rules exactly how they're supposed to be. Yeah. When it's, when it's a controlled group of people, it's much easier. Yeah. Yeah. When you have a small tight knit group that really cares about what's going on. Yeah. Like I promise you that any of these local restaurants here in Milford, I promise you they're all taking sanitation serious. They're cleaning and it's probably cleaner than your house. (coughs) Right. Right. the, the variable that's uh, it's impossible to control is the guests that are coming in. Because you can... True. Because you can... Your staff can get tested and you can get tested. Yeah, you can take all the precautions, but... But, you know, short of, short of every one of your customers walking in with a piece of paper that says, like, I, I took a COVID test and I'm good. You can take a temperature. You can take their temperature. Do whatever you want. Even if they had the test, it could have been from three days ago, sure. and they could have picked it up in you the meantime. Be, right. So that's, I just, it's man, tough. I, I feel I feel for people trying to navigate that situation because I think it's it's hard. I don't think that there's a right answer. Again, like I think it's easy to to sit back and say, "Well, I know," and I say, "I know." I don't know, but we wouldn't do that. But who knows? I think it's easy to view it from either side. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, and, as, and I think a lot of times I felt very strongly in the beginning of this when they came back out and they said, you know, um, and still feel strongly about this, is say, oh, well, you can do 50% occupancy. Well, that's a kiss of death. That's impossible. It's tough. You can't yeah. open at 50% capacity. You can't pay 100% rent. 100% wages and bring in 50% revenue. It's just not it set work. up like that. No. Yeah. It doesn't work. So at 50%, like, so there's no way, why would, any, why would anybody open up and try to operate like that? You're not going to do it. Um, so I don't know. We're, we're, we're getting pretty kind of deep into that, that topic. And, but I think it'd be good to have some other chefs come in um, that have opened up and do have some indoor seating and say, yeah. look, how are you handling it? What just just listen to their perspective. Yeah. See what their doubts about it are. See mm-hmm. what, you know, just view it from their side. Um, because a lot of these people need these need money to yeah. keep their households going. They have children to feed. And sure. You have a staff. Yeah. You have a staff that you're trying to take care of. Yeah. Like, there's so many variables to it that make it difficult. Yeah, and I promise you that there's no um, local independent restaurant owner out there 
that is getting rich because yeah. for look right pre-covid covid post-covid yeah there's nobody that owns a restaurant that's getting rich like everybody's getting by the again people beat it to death but yeah the margins are very small but that's something that is obviously going to have to change but it's been proceeding over the years and in and the margins are have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller i'm sure while the price that consumers have paid has also gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Well, people want more and they want to pay less. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. People want pork from down the street, but they, they want to pay for pork that comes from a factory farm. You know, it's a, it's yeah, for sure. And you they want their cake and they want to eat it too. hundred percent. And you can't, you have to find a way to educate people without being an asshole about it. Yeah. That's that's the really the really the part that's the the challenge is like because there's a lot of chefs there's a lot of restaurant tours and they come off like assholes trying to explain oh well this is our take on this and we use this magic unicorn shit from wherever it is and, and you come off like an asshole pretentious so we gotta, very pretentious yeah and that's one thing that's died over the years is the pretense is gone. You can get a great meal anywhere. That's something that's changed or been brought to the forefront in the last, let's say, 12 to 15 years, uh, in the United States at least, is people like us are able to open up a restaurant. You can go to a tiny little crappy strip mall in the middle of Milford, Miami Township, and, and, get, and get really good barbecue. That never happened before ever? No, it didn't. Okay. There's institutions. Yeah, There was right. these big institutions. There was... The big, the big dining places, there was, or along with, before it was, someone like me would go work for a great chef in a big city. And then my next move would be to move up into work for another great chef in a big city. Right. And then finally, maybe, if I was lucky, I'd end up in Chicago when I was 36 and I would open my first restaurant. Now, people go, they spend their time, and then a lot of people move back to where they're from because it's so cheap. Right, right. Let me rephrase that. It's so much cheaper. You know, places like New York, uh, Chicago, San Francisco. Yeah. The places where they used to be considered the meccas of dining in the United States, they're so prohibitively expensive for a young entrepreneur to operate that right. you talk about a business that has slim margins and then you go to a place where your rent is Ash, I can't even imagine insane 100k a month you have Jeez. so <laughs> and you you have you have you're already making no margins but you have no margin for error right yeah you and have you to be selling food constantly correct and it's led but it's also led to the homogenization of food where we talk about like the taco place, it's the chicken place, it's the sausage place, it's the burger. They're all the same. Right. That's because it makes more money. Right. Yeah. Because in the places where you are paying a lot higher rent, you have low margins, you have low margin of error, you can't fail. So you got to do something that works. You got to make the fucking Marvel movie because if not. Right. Because if, if fucking Spider-Man doesn't show up, then they're going to leave. Yeah. They're going to go to the other place. Yeah. 
They're going to go to the other place where they can get their, their drink in, in the um, a mason jar with a rosemary sprig garnish <laughs> to stir it around. And it's led to everything being pretty much the same, in my opinion. Yeah. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people that are doing a small, cool, independent restaurant that are, like, really going for it. That are really, like, outside the box because... That's true. And sometimes when you do get, there's a, you know, it's a catch-22 because you get too far outside the box. Yeah, and then you're just having a terrible experience. Yeah, because sometimes, <laughs> like, but you go places for certain things. You know, if you're going to advertise, like, if, if we advertise it, we're a, bar, we're a barbecue place. Look, you're, I'm, you're not going to get a vegan thing here. All right. And we're not going to throw shit at the wall until it sticks to make a vegan entree. Right. We're just not going to do it. Yeah, that's... It doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that we don't respect vegans or anything of the sort, but we're just not going to do it. You know, we're going to stay within what we do and try to do a really good job at that. Yeah. And I think that there's still great opportunity for a restaurant to say, like, we're going to be the best burger and fry, and fry place. But you don't have to do the same five burgers that everybody else does. Yeah, it is always, it's the, always the same five burgers. You don't burgers. have to do the damn truffle aioli bullshit mayonnaise with every single thing. Like, that's yeah. it all becomes the same thing it does. at some point, man. It's the same flavor. Yeah, it all becomes the same thing. Yeah. It's like... I would like to go to a burger place and just get a great burger. There's not that many like places where you can go place. and get a perfect burger. No, it's it's facts. hard. Yeah, and it's great when it happens. It, it's amazing. Yeah, and you go back a thousand times. Hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Like I want to get a great pizza. A great pizza. That's tough too. It's tough. There's, um, uh, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll name drop some places later when we want to. When we talk about places that we really like, I don't want to, I, I definitely, you know, we're not going to sit on here and talk negatively about any place. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's not going to happen. We will blow some people up that we like, that, whose spots that we love, that we encourage people to go to, but it's also not going to be like, we're not going to put some phony ad where the only, the only fake ad is going to be like, this podcast is brought to you by Pickles and Bones Barbecue. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. Uh, but... But, you know, we'll talk about places that we like to go. Right. And myself as a person that's only been a cook my entire life, I don't know anything else. I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remodel my kitchen right now. Like, paint, do the floor, I'm terrible at it. Yeah, right. But I can know how to cook. <laughs> but I really don't know how to do shit else. Yeah. Quite honestly. Um, but I think it, I can kind of speak on, like, why I like places. And then it's good... I think you'll have a different perspective on like why, why you like it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own opinion and I think that's a lot of these places are the same because they're trying to appeal to the masses instead of finding that niche yeah. that might really appreciate something like that. But yeah, hundred percent. I agree. It's tough to find something that, that is made for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, anymore. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I man, I don't know what, what else we want to, um, Give the people to let, let them know what we're going to talk about. I got my little list here. I'm going to pop and see what, if there's anything else. Well, clearly we're going to talk about coronavirus. That's going to be yeah, something dude, and, and just the world that we're living in right now. Yeah. I know people are tired of talking about it, but it's kind of stupid and not because... It's hard not to. If we're going to talk about where the restaurant industry is going... Yeah. Or business it's, it's, in general. It's a factor business at this general. point. Anybody that comes in here that talks to us, if we bring in somebody to talk about 
the supply chain. Obviously, that's going to be food specific. Um, but if we bring somebody in, you know, um, to talk about real estate, they're, they're not just about the re- looking for real estate for a restaurant, but, but real estate in general, whether it's buy, lease, whatever it is, like the perspective is going to be post-COVID where we're at. You have to consider it in every decision you're going to make Absolutely. when it comes to business, at least. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd be interested to talk about how you protect yourself and your business um, it's kind of boring, but from a legal standpoint, you know, people get in trouble. Um, and whether that's human resources and outsourcing human resources, you know, really for small businesses, the biggest thing is that we don't have the same level of, you know, we don't have the same, we don't have the same resources that a corporation does. Right. So how, how do you communicate um, with your staff, how do you find that support system to help you out uh, for that kind of stuff? Like, what stuff should you what stuff should you implement or plan on implementing soon in your business that's going to help you out long term as far as covering yourself, covering your employees? Um, you know, we did a handbook earlier this year. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that. Hopefully, maybe we can get uh, maybe we can get a lawyer to come on and speak about. A little bit about that. Um, That's important. Yeah. And especially and in today's world. Yeah. More than ever. 100%. Yeah. You know, the restaurant industry, thankfully, I think is going, business-wise, I think it's challenging. I think it's heading in a tough direction. I think we're, we all, I think we all know the next couple of months, there's going to be a lot more places that are going to close. Yeah. It's not going to get easier. Not no, yet. No, no, no. And, and, and. People that were that were able to get PPP loans and stuff like that, that's gonna you know that's run out. Um, they are talking but, about a second second round. Yeah, they're talking about a second round of stuff. And I guess I forgot they did extend the PPP stuff to last to go a little bit longer and make the the guidelines or the uh, requirements a little bit looser, so the restaurants could actually use it. That's good. Um, a lot of restaurants had trouble with that, yeah. from what I've heard, at least. Well, uh, it sounded like they. <clears throat> kind of threw the idea out there quick without really thinking it through so you ended up with so you end up with people that had multiple locations but they had less than x amount of employees in each one getting millions of dollars in relief while people on main street usa couldn't get shit so and there was even larger corporations that took advantage of yeah. it and that's that really wasn't the purpose of it but no no, because the idea was that if you weren't able to get funding from somewhere else. But the, the thing of it is, is that at the end of the day, it was just a loan. Right. It's, yeah, you pay back. So you pay it's, back. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a low interest rate. You know, it's, it's a small percentage on there. But at the end of the day, it's just more debt. Right. So you're saddling a restaurant that's already, you know, again, we're beating it in the ground. Um, you know, low margins, slim margins. But... Uh, you're settling them with more debt, which kind of sucks. It does, especially for a restaurant. I mean, yeah. any business with low margins is going to be hurt by that yeah. kind of thing. You know, but now, but you know, that was the, um, you know, at least it was something. It was better than nothing. I mean, for for my parents, they own their own business. It's uh, retail, video games, movies, buy, sell, trade, that kind of thing. They were able to get the PP, what is it? PPP. Uh, PPP, yeah. It's confusing because... 
the PPE. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was personal thinking. Personal protective equipment, and then PPP. Yeah, man, they should have come up with a different name. Yeah, well, they were able to get the the loan, and it's helped them out tremendously. Good. I mean, and they're expecting the next round to help them out as well, because yeah. that kind of thing is. We don't have insane margins, but but we're able to capitalize on certain things and make a little bit more money than than yeah. certain industries are. Yeah. New video games and movies don't make much money, but if you're able to buy something for cheap that is is years and years old, yeah. we're able to sell it and make make a little bit of profit off of that. So right. so paying back a loan isn't something that's going to kill us or sure. or hurt us in the long run. Well, especially now, I mean, if it keeps your business right. afloat, right. then yeah. great. Yeah. And again, it was a small, it was a small, very, I think it was a 1% loan. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, you're never going to find any cheaper money than that for, for anything. Never. It you know, <laughs> doesn't matter how good you know, you're doing. <laughs> whether or not people use it for what it was meant to be used for, which is paying rent and bringing employees back. You know, that's and they're saying down the road this this next round will be fifty percent payroll from what I hear, and yeah. that that's payroll is the killer for a lot of these retail Dude, businesses. 100%. Yeah, that's the thing is that if you no matter what, every two weeks or whatever it is or every week, payroll comes due. It's a chunk. It's a chunk, man, and it's and I've been we've been there when you can't sleep. Because you know payrolls coming like, oh man, yeah. Like, and then it's cool when you can sleep for that two week period, knowing that, knowing that you're good. Because at the end of the day, like, I can speak for myself, but I know people that have small businesses and not just restaurants. Like, the thought of, sure, the thought of failing sucks, but the thought of not being able to take care of the people that take care of you like your your staff right is dude it's the worst i can't even imagine it's a lot of pressure it's the worst thought possible it's a lot of pressure yeah yeah it's the worst thought possible like the last thing that anybody at least any decent human being that owns a business ever wants to do and i mean i i know there's people out there that don't give a shit about that either yeah there's don't care about lining their own pockets i'd almost i i'd almost say the majority but that it sounds negative but it, it might be the case yeah, but I mean, we've all worked for plenty of other people, and you can—I mean—you can make your judgments based on that. You it's know? easy to tell. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially when you work for someone that does care, yeah. it, it makes it clear. Makes a difference. Yeah. Um, I think I'm talking about like, you know, renting and leasing spaces, uh, what it takes to buy a location. Uh, something that we would love to be able to do at some point is you know, buy a building, buy an asset. What that means to you. Um, just having that equity as backup yeah. alone. I mean, a failed business might not be a failed mortgage or 100%. car payment or anything yeah. like that. Like, it, it, it gives you a little bit of protection. Right. And then, you know, um, we don't deal with it, but um, like the liquor licenses, what kind of stuff you have to go through. Um, I know our friends at the governor are... Uh, Went through getting a bunch of signatures last year, and we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have uh, Paul Baracco from the governor on coming up very soon on the podcast, and you know we're gonna talk on a lot of these topics. But that's one thing I want to touch with him because I know they went through a situation where they're getting signatures for to have Sunday liquor sales 
and now I see they have to go back and do it all over again because they didn't put a cover sheet on their TPS reports. Like it's heartbreaking. Some of the bullshit, the hoops that antiquated, outdated shit that people still have to jump through to to make stuff happen. Like you're talking about a brand new restaurant that opened barely before COVID. And now you're going to make them go back through and do some other extra bullshit because, come on, man. Like, give me... Like, at some point here... I understand there has to be a line, but, I mean... Sure. We're humans. Yeah, man. Like, like, (laughs) it... it, I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to talk to Paul about that. I'd like Uh, to hear his perspective on it. Yeah, 100%. It's it's interesting. Uh, And then, you know, John Corcoran from from Michael's um, Finer Meats and Seafood, too... Uh, has become a, a friend of mine. I'd say a good friend of mine over the last 10 years. Um, he started off as one of my reps when I was at Marriott. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been in communication. And since then, I've been buying stuff from them. And it'd be interesting to have him come on and talk about what they think about the food chain. I think we're past the freak-out moment where everybody thought that Somehow thought that the United States was gonna run out of food. Yeah, that's... we waste forty percent of the food produced in our country, <laughs> and somehow people thought we were gonna run out of. That's food. That's a good point. I haven't thought about that at all. We're gonna run out of food uh, because <laughs> because the supply chain because Smithfield pork plant's gonna get shut down. Yeah. It was a you know there was a mo you know there was it's, a couple. It's a fair of, thought. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to get the perspective on somebody that's got a little bit deeper insight into what that is. Uh, Supply chain is something that really has only advanced in the last 10 to 15 years. Before that, it was mostly the same. Uh, And even now there's, there's so many ways that it can be upgraded or changed to be better. And uh, that's something I think that, that the market hasn't really focused on a whole lot is, is making that improving that and making it simpler for both the buyers and the sellers. Yeah. Well, Amazon will take care of it. Yeah, that <laughs> it probably will. 15, Fifteen years ago, uh, I couldn't buy rechargeable batteries at ten o'clock at night and have them show up at my house right tomorrow morning and have the audacity to be pissed off. If they weren't going to be here till Monday. Yeah, like, right, oh, right, right. I had to wait two days. Well, imagine me. I was raised with that kind of mindset. Yeah, so, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm 24 years old. So, let's say since the age of 15 at least, Yeah. Every, you'd be able to snap your fingers and have something yeah. sent to you. True. It, change, it does change your perspective on stuff. Yeah. Um, 100%. And now, if you live in the right area, you can get it an hour or two. Yeah. I have friends that get frustrated if they don't get their Amazon shipment within three hours. Yeah. And, and that is insane. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think you can buy weed on Amazon now. You probably can. I'm I'd, sure I'd be can. surprised if there's not one state where you can't do that. I'm pretty sure you can buy weed on Amazon now. <laughs> there's not many things you can't buy on Amazon, really. You can buy houses on Amazon. You say you can buy houses on Amazon? Yeah. For real? Yeah. Wow. I, at least on eBay. eBay's pretty awesome. So is Amazon. Um, what else, man? What, what other, other stuff? Um... Uh, I think we're going to talk about sports a little bit here and there. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's opening day. Yeah, it is. It's opening day for the Reds and opening Go day Reds. for the podcast, man. It's, uh, let's see what the score is. Earlier it was 4-1. to one. Hopefully they're winning. 
Let's see. Seven-one uh, Reds. End of eight. Oh, that's great. Get some. Love to see some runs. Yeah, man. It's a. It's a. It's a big problem last year. Yeah, it's been a big problem for the last lot of years. <laughs> they had strong pitching yeah, staff. Yeah, you're right. Um, they spent a lot of money in the off season. Uh, it's really nice to have live sports. It's it's fantastic. And I'm, we're only. I'm looking forward to watching some. Yeah, and we're only a week away. I don't think anybody's ever been this excited as a as a whole for baseball. <laughs> Just to have something else to talk about since since pre. Uh, uh, steroid days, I'd say. Yeah, you know, like, fair, fair. Yeah. And then we're only a week away from the bubble. Yeah. From the NBA. I'm bubble. very excited for NBA. I don't. I don't. I haven't been this excited for NBA playoffs in well, ten good, years. Good I, news. I don't know. Good news. NBA. I think they have eight games left or something like that. Yeah. And then they have games. five months of playoffs. <laughs> Easily five months. Let me uh, tell you, who's not excited about NBA playoffs? My wife. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Every time it comes on, I could watch one basketball game a year in her presence. And she would say, oh, it's the playoffs again, isn't it? How long does this shit last? Eight months? I'd be like, no, only three. So we're going to like... Feels like eight sometimes. Dude, we're going we're gonna to slam through. We're going to have baseball. Uh, we're going to have basketball. Hopefully football. That's Maybe football. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know, man, because the football players are... The football players are posing a lot of questions about what the NFL is doing to protect them. Well, I haven't seen them do anything. Or at least they haven't said it said anything to set their goals or make What's, me think that they're trying to protect our no, players. The NFL is really good at trying to make money. Yeah, right. That's kind of their right. specialty. Which is crazy because the NFL has had the longest amount of time of anybody to figure this out. Yeah. So basically, since everything happened, the, the most proactive thing the NFL did was cancel the draft in Vegas. Yeah. So we didn't get to see our boy Joe Burrow <laughs> Ride out on a ride out on a yacht in the Bellagio fountains with, with sparklers with a, everywhere. With a cigar. With a cigar. <laughs> with a cigar and tigers getting drafted by the Bengals, number one. So we missed out on that. Fine. But in the last four months. Not a word. They're getting ready to start tra- they're getting ready to, to go to, to training camp. And the players are asking what's going on, and the NFL has, seems to have no answers. That's it's. I don't want to say it's surprising, but it's it's weird that they haven't at least come out and said, "Hey, we're aware of what's going on. We're trying yeah. to to do this, this, and this to protect our players." And I, think, I haven't seen one thing. No, they because the thing for them is that the NBA, you know, they can do the bubble, uh, MLB. You know, they can play without fans. The NFL, man, that's a lot of players. It is. A lot it's of people a, to pay. It's a ton of people to pay. It's a ton of training staff. It's a ton of big, sweaty dudes slobbering all over each other. And how do they control How do they control their environment if, people, if they're not playing in a bubble, which they're not going to be able to do? No. Unless they go to There's too many teams, too right. many. I mean, where, do, where, do, where? Too many people. Where are you possibly going to take all of those players? Yeah, there's to play. Other than an island or yeah. something along those UFC lines. Fight, yeah. Fight island. Yeah. So what are they going to do to to control that? So it'll be interesting to see. Um, in a week or here, or I mean, who knows when they'll make a decision? I, I think it should have happened by now. Well, yeah, honestly. it should have happened already. But. <laughs> and then obviously. Um, 
college. Who knows? Who knows? Because that's what that's what I care about mostly. Right. I love the NFL, but I, sure. I, I'd love to watch some college football this year. That's well, the big. I mean, the Big Ten obviously has already said they're only going to play conference games. I haven't seen any other conferences say the same thing. Uh, Ivy League isn't playing at all. Yeah, the A10 is not playing, but I don't even know if they have football. Xavier's in the A10. Me neither. Or is they in Big East? They're Big East yeah, now. No one gives a shit about Xavier. <laughs> they don't have football. That's controversial. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Just 50, I feel 50, the same way, 50, but... 50, 50 split. You go to UC, man. I went yeah, to UC. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Bearcat, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with college. It's interesting because the, theoretically, whatever you want to call it, college players aren't getting paid. In theory. <laughs> in theory. It's in quotations. <laughs> yes, very clever. You know, they're not getting paid. Um... So, you know, guy, if they don't play a guy, he loses a year of eligibility. But also, if the player isn't comfortable playing, you know, how do you handle that? Do you take their scholarship? I don't know. That's, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's a tough situation. Yeah. And the problem with these college programs, though, too, man, is that they, they brainwash the shit out of these guys. Yeah, they like, do. I would, I would say it's going to be few and far between. I'd say you maybe you have a, maybe you have an upperclassman, a guy that's that's a junior or senior, that's been there for a while, right? That's done himself well and well schooled, worked worked hard, and and is going to be like, I'm not playing. Yeah, I'm not going to go on. Well, especially I think if they have any kind of popularity on social media yeah. or any kind of following strong following yeah. then it's going to be really tough to just let somebody go yeah. I, yeah, I, mean, I don't I think, think you're going to get away with that I think guys that are I think guys that are making a bid to play in the NFL are going to play right Still. You're, Trevor Lawrence if he didn't want to play this year he's going to play he's, he is right yeah. but say he didn't I, I don't think that the backlash of taking his scholarship away would be worth hmm, yeah. doing it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But maybe somebody like, I don't know, a cornerback mm-hmm. or a position that might not matter so much to somebody. Yeah. That's, that's a lot easier. That's a different conversation. Yeah, it is. And then it's weird because if – so let's say the SEC plays full schedule, which as of right now they said that they're going to. Well, what's that – Appalachian State and that's true. FCU and well, Week Twelve, they'll play Louisiana Tech. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they play a full schedule, and the big these Big Ten teams play just a conference schedule. How do you measure? How do you measure apples to apples in that situation? I, that's tough. I, I'd like to think the same way we did any other year. You know, the most FPS games played, the most. Ranked games played and yeah. and just strength of schedule and quality of win, but yeah, maybe, there's there, there's a lot of up in the air when it comes to yeah. But if you play, and then what does it do for a team? What does it do for you know a team like Ohio State if they play three less games than Alabama? I don't think anything. Is it an advantage? Is it a disadvantage? 
It, it depends. If, if you lose a game in those 10 games, true, it's a disadvantage. If you win out. If you win out, then you're three games fresher than everybody yeah. else. And well, that's true, too. I didn't even consider that. But, you know. but it's hard to not put a team with that level of talent into the playoffs if they go undefeated, regardless, sure. regardless who they are. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But if a team like Michigan were to go undefeated, it's hard to say what would happen. That'd be a fucking miracle if that happened. <laughs> it'd be the greatest. It'd be the greatest day of my life. Besides, when I got married, and all had three of my old, three of my kids. If Michigan goes undefeated this year, it'll be the the fifth greatest day of my life. The fifth. Write that down. Mark that down. Put that on the cap. September twenty fourth, Michigan goes undefeated. It's the fifth greatest day of my life. That's fair. Really, only if they win the national championship. So obviously, Tom. I, I think making the playoffs at this point is a win. Well, yeah, that would. Well, yeah, since they've never done it, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Tom's an Ohio State fan. I'm a Michigan fan. It's fine. <laughs> we both we, we agree on pretty much everything else, but uh, it makes the fall football season fun because Tom will stay home. Fun for home. me. Fun for Tom because <laughs> he'll stay home and watch the Ohio State game. Uh, with his dad or go home and watch Ohio State game with his dad and they win and then I'm miserable because Michigan Michigan lost a game that they should have won so it's a common theme yeah but Mike but Mike's a Michigan fan too so misery loves company so <laughs> it works out well for us uh, I mean I think that's it I don't know if uh, anything else we need to touch on for right now Not, nothing that comes to mind hopefully it wasn't too long and rambling um, but just kind of a preview of kind of the stuff we're going to bounce back and forth and some different topics that we're going to hit um well i enjoyed talking about it and yeah. i think that it's it's worth listening to yeah i'd listen to it yeah well so. if nothing else um at least my mom's gonna listen yeah i think <laughs> hopefully please mom listen <laughs> and whatever uh service we're on like like and subscribe and all the other stuff <laughs> uh, we don't have any sponsors right now besides pickles and bones barbecue Milford. Milford slash Miami Township, Ohio. If you ain't first, you're last. That's it. We're out of here. Thank you.